Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, what I want to, to do tonight is, is I want Pastor Angel to come up and we'll give an example this morning talking about surrender and how the Lord dealt with me and how I could have really missed God's plan for my life. And, uh, you know, it can happen to anybody. When the Apostle Peter, or excuse me, when the Apostle Paul was on his uh, third missionary journey, he had a witness in his heart that he was going to be uh, taken into custody and that he was going to end up in Rome as a prisoner. And he said that, that everywhere he went, the Spirit witnessed that bonds and imprisonment awaited him. But there were people in the church in different, a couple of different places where he went that picked up the fact that prison and, and imprisonment awaited him, but they put their own interpretation to that, and they warned him not to go to Jerusalem. And it says in the, in, in the book of Acts that they, that they said by the Spirit that he was not to go to Jerusalem. But he already had it in his spirit that he was going to Jerusalem. They, they picked up from, they said it by the Spirit, but that doesn't mean the Spirit was saying it. They were saying they said to him, by the Spirit. That simply means that they picked up in the Spirit what was ahead for the Apostle Paul, but they put their own interpretation on it and said, don't go. When he, and I think that was in Troas. When he went on then to, to Philippi and went into to, uh, 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 or Caesarea where, where Philip was living, the evangelist, and was staying with him, said that Agabus the prophet came. And Agabus took his, his belt, he calls it a girdle, but his belt, and he took it off and he bound his hands and he said, thus says the Spirit, so shall the Jews in Jerusalem bind the man who wears this, this belt. But he didn't add his interpretation to that. He didn't say, don't go. And that's where the people in Troas, or Philippi, wherever it was, that's where they, they missed it. They picked up what the prophet picked up, but they added their own interpretation to it. And it says that when Agabus, after Agabus said that, now Luke is the writer of the book of Acts. He's the one writing the story. And it says that we and those from that place. So that meant Luke and the others who were traveling with Paul. I forget now if Timothy was with him, but he had an entourage that we would recognize some of the names. That they plus the people of that, of that, uh, of that gathering that were not with them, but that were there said they begged him not to go to, to, to Jerusalem. 
And he said, why are you pleading with me this way and breaking my heart? He said, I'm prepared to, to give all for Jesus. Not only to be bound, but to die for him. And he would not be persuaded. Now, a lot of people believe that Paul missed God. That the Spirit was trying to tell him not to go. But if you read the book of Acts, it already said that Paul had a witness in his spirit everywhere he went. He had a witness from town to town. He had a witness in his spirit that bonds and imprisonment awaited him. Paul didn't miss it. Because after, right after that, he went, when he went to Jerusalem, he, he was, did you know the story? He was taken into custody by the uh, religious officials and turned over to the Roman soldiers and on his way to Rome. The very next time you see in the book of Acts that God speaks to him, he said to him, fear not, for as you have borne witness to me in these other places, so you shall bear witness to me in Rome. It was part, if, if, God, if, if Paul had missed it, that would have been a good place for, for the Lord to say, Paul, I sent all these people to warn you and you wouldn't listen. I know he would have said that to me if I had done that. You know he would have. Instead, he commended him and showed him that it was part of his plan. Just like you've witnessed to me here, you shall bear witness to me in Jerusalem or in Rome, he said. So that was part of God's master plan. I said all that to say this. Paul could have missed it. If he had listened to other people, and Paul was, we think of Paul almost like he, he was, you know, like Jesus, infallible. He wasn't. He was just an, an ordinary man. And the natural man recoils against persecution and imprisonment. Nobody, particularly in those days. So it would have been very easy for him to say, you know, I, I better listen to these people. I'll tell you what, you can miss the will of God so easily. And what, what would that have done to the Apostle Paul's ministry? Could have set him back, no telling how long. Pays to obey God. I, so I, I, I told Angela this morning, before I got up the first time, I said, I'm going to talk for a few minutes. That didn't work out so good. <laughs> and I said, I want to tell my story, and I want you to tell your story when I get to it. So tonight, she didn't know I was going to do this tonight until about 10 minutes ago. She thought she was off the hook, but she wasn't. I want her to continue, because we're talking about surrender. Being fully surrendered to Christ. It, it, it's so important. So I want her to give her perspective of where she came from and how the journey she went to to get where she is today. Amen? So, Pastor Angela, I want you to come up. and. Yeah, I thought I was off the hook. But that's okay. You know, I think for me, probably the best thing to do is to start at the beginning. I was born in 1953. <laughs> it was a good year, Doug. It was a good year. <laughs> No, seri seriously, you have to start at the beginning because, because I, for you to understand where I've come from fully, you have to understand that my heritage, my history started when I was born because the first place my parents took me was to church. 
when that was the first time I left the house. I was born in my grandmother's, one of her spare rooms, and my, my grandparents were faithful churchgoers, and my parents were faithful churchgoers. And the first place I found myself as a little tiny baby was in church. And I stayed in church my entire life. When, uh, when I was just probably a less than a year old, my father went into the ministry. And so for the next 12 years, you know, I was the preacher's kid. And uh, sometimes that was a good thing. Sometimes it wasn't a good thing. You know, I, I learned a lot of things about churches and how churches run uh, the hard way. You know, by uh, being the brunt of a lot of things and by, you know, getting to do certain things by default um, because there was nobody else to do it. You know, who was going to sweep out the church this week? Well, nobody showed up, so I guess the preacher's kids get to go do it. You know, my sister and I would go do it. And so, you know, you learn a lot of things and you don't learn everything. Sometimes that's good things about church and about pastoring. And so by the time my dad ran into some difficulties with some, some issues, uh, um, he, just, he just finally threw up his hands when I was 13 and, and called it quits and said, I, I'm done with this. And I went, yes, yes, we are getting out of this. And I was never so thrilled in my life as to be able to just go to church as just a normal member of a congregation, not the pastor's kid. Not with the responsibility of everybody looking at you all the time. Not with having to know about the ins and the outs of people's lives and, and the nastiness that they threw at the pastor's wife. Because, I mean, I can, I can give you history, you know, of, of what my parents endured in pastoring in those first, those 12 years that we pastored. And all of that together put me in a mindset of I will never be involved in this again. I will never marry a preacher. I will never be a pastor's wife. Never. I just, I'll, I'll be content to just go to church and live in what I call an ordinary life. And, you know, that worked pretty good. But, you know, I got about 16, well, less than 16, and, and this guy, was he was in my life when I was 13 because he was in the, the youth group that, you know, when we finally went to this particular church, there he was. I remember the first time I set eyes on him, I was not impressed. <laughs> uh, and, you know, two or three years went by, and one night, Sunday night, he sat down beside me. I thought, what do you want? He asked me out, and I thought it was a big joke. You know, I thought he and some of the rest of the guys were, were going to try to pull a fast one on me or something because I'm just this little, you know, girl with the glasses on, the little, you know, the little glasses and all that kind of stuff, quiet and all that. But, you know, little did I know, you know, what was, what was ahead of me. But anyway, uh, you know, 16 years old, you know, not serving God. You know, the thing about it that I want to tell you is that you can be raised in church all of your life and be as backslidden as, as anybody. The problem with being raised in church and being backslidden is the fact that you become so hardened to the things of God. I'm talking to somebody. You can become so hardened to the things of God. You can become so hardened to the word. You can become so hardened to the moving of the spirit that it doesn't phase you one bit. And so when the enemy presents you with opportunities to sin, it's, hey, it's a no-brainer. Why not go for it? Sure, 
It's no big deal till you get caught. When you get caught in it, then it becomes a big deal. You know, and so I, you know, I remember, you know, where I'm 16, I'm pregnant, we're, we get married, you know, I have this child. I, at least I can say for myself that I was raised with, with such a sense of responsibility that I knew I had, to, I had to do something with this child. I couldn't just, you know, just fritter it away. Um, so, I mean, I was a good mom, a good homemaker, a, you know, good at, good at all that kind of stuff. Probably more out of a determination to prove everybody else wrong than anything else. But, you know, whatever motivation it took, you know, at least my children, my child, and my husband benefited from that. Um, but I remember just being so hardened by it. And, you know, when we first got married, uh, my dad was, you know, because he had a call of God on his life, he couldn't just sit in the seat and do nothing. And so he became the, the Sunday school superintendent. And if you know anything about the Church of God, it, you know, Sunday school was a big thing. And so he became the Sunday school superintendent of our church. It was a fairly large church, about 400 people. And um, I remember that, maybe I'm going to take this too long, honey. I'm not sure. But anyway, I, I remember that, um, you know, there were people who obviously it wasn't, didn't take too long for it to become obvious what was going on, you know, in my life. And, uh, and people began to talk. Oh, church people. Sometimes there's no mercy from church people. Sometimes there's no grace, there's no compassion, there's no empathy, there's no nothing but judgment. And that's all I felt like I got. You know, they were cordial on one hand, but talked about you behind your back on the other. And I knew there was a lot of talk going on. Well, it came down to the place where somebody put some nasty note on the church bulletin board in the hallway about certain people that if they weren't removed from their position as Sunday school superintendent, there was going to be a call made to the state office that would take care of it. So the current pastor of that church, you know, was a wonderful man, and I loved him, and I love him still. He's been in heaven a long time. But he came to us, and he told us that either we got up in front of the entire church and we apologized to the church, or he would have to ask us to leave. Now, maybe you don't know this, but I'm a very stubborn and hard-headed person. <laughs> My husband got up on a Sunday night, and he, and he did that. And as far as I was concerned, I'm going, what business is it of anybody else's? I haven't sinned against you. I sinned against myself, against, against you know, uh, the principles of God. It didn't have anything to do with you people. And yet, eventually, you know, I, I knew I was pressured into getting up and saying something. And so I did. I got up and said something. But I tell you what, it created such a rock-hard heart in me because of those attitudes that I had to endure. I'm 17 years old. I've got a baby to raise. You know, I got a brand. I'm, I'm married. Who do I know that's married at 17? Nobody. And I have, a, I have this, this great pressure on me to make it work. And, and, and what do, do I need all that put on me? But I'm telling you what, it, the heart that was already slightly hardened to the things of God suddenly got very hard. Very hard. And so, you know, time, time came and went, and I went back to school for a year to college, and then from there I went to x-ray school, and it was a crazy kind of a schedule. It was an in-hospital program. And so I had lots of excuses not to go to church. 
Why do I want to go? I don't care. He didn't care. You know, his mother cared. You know, the only time he showed up at church was about twice a year there for a while because his mama asked him. And well, well, fine, she can ask him. You know, and he'll go. But, you know, I found myself just, I don't care. When he got back in fellowship with the Lord, I went, that's fine. Go for it. But for the next few years, it was hell on earth. Because I have a husband now who wants to serve God, and I do not. So I made his life miserable. Not, not intentionally, but just by the fact that I was not interested in what he was interested in. And we would fight tooth and nail. You know, we would come at it, you know, and, and he'd go, why can't you just do this and why can't you just do that? You know, and that old hard heart would just get even harder. And I just was like, am I not good enough for you anymore? That's how I felt. What's, what's, what's wrong? You know, we, we found ourselves in the situation we found out. I wasn't there by myself. You know, you seemed to like me pretty good back then. What's wrong with me now? And, and so, yeah, I had, this, I had this great feeling that, you know, no matter what I did, it wasn't going to be good enough. And after a while, the devil used that against me when I saw things happening in, in him and, and how he was growing in the things of God. And I just, my feeling was that there's no way I'll ever catch up to where he's at. There's no way that, that I'll, ever, I'll ever be what he needs me to be. I, there, and we've had a second child by this time, you know, but life was not good. He's trying to serve God. He's got a wife that doesn't care one lick about it. Not one. Now, eventually, I started going back to church because I knew a lot of people at church, you know. And, hey, I'm a little social butterfly sometimes, and, and, and that's fine. And, 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 you know, they didn't ask me if I was in fellowship with God when I, they asked me to be nursery director. I went, okay. If anybody who knew me very well, you'd have known I wasn't. <laughs> you know? But so I became the nursery director and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But I tell you what. You know, little by little, God has a plan to harden even the hardest hearts. And, um, and when the day came, he, he knew we needed to leave that church and go to a, a, a Rhema church, a spirit-filled church. You know, I was not happy about it at all because I, I think I'd been there one time before, and I did not like it at all. I think I knew, I think I knew that there was going to be a demand put on me that no, nothing else had put on me up to now. It was easy in a church you've been in for many years to just listen, you know, let it come in one ear and out the other, you know, and just ignore things and the Spirit of God is moving. And it did. It really did. Just to ignore all those things. But there was something different about this church. And I did not want to go there. And I remember him telling me, in two weeks, we will leave this church that we've been in, and we'll be going full-time to this other church, to this Rama church. And he said, I'm going, and I'm taking my children with me, and you can do what you want. You don't have to go if you don't want. But I'm telling you, me and my children are going there. I tell you what, it's so wonderful to have a husband who will stand and not compromise. He knew he could lose, you know, this marriage was already on the rocks. And he knew he could lose everything. And I, I don't think I'd ever told him for it. When I, when I talked in, uh, when I did the Sunday morning service in California back in January, you know, after church, he said, I never knew that. 
He didn't know that the reason, one of the biggest reasons I went to x-ray school to start with was, okay, his mom had been left with four children to raise when his father was killed with very little, with like an eighth grade education. So I'm thinking, you know, I won't ever want to be in that position. But the other one was, if I get tired enough of this or he gets tired enough of me, then I'll have a job, a profession I can fall back on to take care of me. And so, you know, he, he, he put his foot down and he just, I mean, he was, he was nice about it. He just said, I'm telling you, in two weeks, in two weeks, we're leaving this church and you can either stay or you can go. Well, being the person at this time who's very conscious of what other people think, um, I went with him. Now, if you talk to that pastor who is now in heaven, if you talk to him, he would tell you that the first time he laid eyes on me and I laid eyes on him, he said, if looks could kill, I'd have been a dead man. And he's right. He would have because I didn't want to be there. I didn't want anything to do with him. And yet he was kind of rough around the edges, just naturally speaking. He was a very blue-collar kind of guy who got born again and went to Ramah. But I'm telling you what, God used that man, as rough as he was in so many ways, to little by little chip away at the hard heart that I had managed so carefully to put in place. You know, and, and so as, as things rocked along, people started talking about Rama, going to, this one's going to go to Rama, that one's going to go to Rama, and, I, and, and here I went, uh-oh. Uh-oh. No, 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 no. You got a good job. We've got a house. You know, we're not going anywhere. And so... <laughs> One day he came to me and he said, uh, I feel like the Lord wants, wants me to go to Ramah. He said, and here's the application. I've already filled it out. And there's one question on here that says, is your spouse in agreement with this? Because they didn't want people coming out there and splitting up families. And so he said, it's the last question that needs to be answered. He said, and I'm leaving it with you. You answer that. And then you put it in this envelope and you mail it. I don't even, I don't even want to know what you answered on it. So I looked at that and I pondered it for a while. You know, and somehow, some way, I knew that um, this was the right thing to do. Not that I wanted to do it. I mean, I really wasn't even really serving God yet. And we're going to go off to Bible school? Are you kidding me? But, uh, you know, I, I, I marked on there, yes. And I mailed it. And I thought, well, it's going to take you know, weeks or maybe even months before that comes back. And I'll have time to get used to this idea and kind of deal with it and kind of figure out what I'm going to do about this. It was back in 10 days. And I was like, are you kidding? Wow. You know, and I, and I made a decision right then that, okay, all right, we'll do this. And, and I began to just open up to the things of God. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a lot. It wasn't like a huge throw open the door. God, here I am. Everything I have is yours. All that I am is yours. No, it was like you get a little bit. That's all you get. Just enough to get me out there with my, with my husband, with my kids, you know, him to do his thing. But yet somewhere in there, as we actually got to planning on this, and we went to Oklahoma to find a place to live because I said, I'm not going out there unless I know where I'm going to live. I've heard all these stories about people just loading up the U-Haul and getting out there and finding some place to live when they got there. I'm not doing that. 
I've got two children. You're not going to do that to me. So we went out there and may happened to be at the same time graduation was, was being held. And if you've ever heard Brother Hagin's uh, prophecy about tramp, 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 I hear the sound of feet. We were there when that was given. You know, it was amazing. Now I look back and go, oh, God, that was such an awesome thing. Now that I see what it was, you know, how important it was you'd be there. But somehow in me, I knew, okay, I have, I have rededicated my life to the Lord, but there's something missing. And so I decided, you know, my little Pentecostal background, you know, you, to get baptized in the Holy Ghost, just hang on, turn loose, yield, you know, whatever, you know, and you never, people never knew how they got the baptism. They just didn't. But I had been hearing this Ramah guy tell me it's a gift. And all you have to do is ask for it and believe you receive it and it's there. And I went, it can't be that easy. I was raised in an environment where it was never that easy. You have to be saved, sanctified for 30 years and then get baptized in the Holy Ghost. That's how this works. you got to seek God for anywhere from five to ten years at least. Come on. And so, you know, I remember on the way back home from Oklahoma, um, in the middle of the night, because, I mean, it was like a weekend trip. We drove it straight through and straight back, you know, once we found a place to live. And Sunday, I don't know, was it Sunday? It wasn't Sunday. It was Saturday night. Saturday night, somewhere about, I don't know, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm driving the back roads of Mississippi, and he's sleeping. And I just said, you know what? I can't, I, I, I can't do this. i got to have more. i got to have more. And I said to the Lord, I said, okay, they say it's this easy. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to believe that I receive, and then I'm going to speak in tongues. And somewhere in Mississippi... In the middle of the night, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost in a car with a sleeping husband. <laughs> you know, and so, you know, I still was reluctant. And yet I could, I could, God started moving. You know, when you've got a home, you've just been in it a couple of years and you don't want to sell it because you don't know what you're going to be doing afterwards. You got some, you got to have somebody to rent it. And, and we turned down renters right and left. And the day before we were to pack up all of our stuff, the right person came along to rent the house. So I'm seeing God work, you know, and, and we got out there and, and I just couldn't imagine going someplace like that, you know, 1,100 miles away from my family, from my mama and my daddy, and I'd never lived away from them. And I got out there and found out, I like this. My mama called me up after two weeks and said, we haven't called. I said, oh, I've been busy, you know, and, and I, well, I had been, but I hadn't missed them. Best time of my life, you know, being out there because I began to depend on God and on my own husband instead of on my parents. It was something that had been missing in our marriage all those years. And we'd been married nine years already. Had found that 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 was a missing part, you know, that had been just, you know, never really addressed. And so, you know, while we were out there, God just supernaturally moved, you know, just so many times. I mean, there were times when we were down to... Well, the, the bank we were using at the time, if you got down to zero, they shut your account. So I made sure that we never got below one cent. And there were times when it got down to one cent. And there were times when there was nothing in the cabinet to eat. And payday was a day or two away. And yet God always provided. He was showing me. 
He was showing me back then that when he asks you to do something, he'll provide the way. And you just have to trust him, no matter how it looks. No matter how it looks. And so we, you know, I found a, had a job that I dearly loved. They loved me. I didn't want to come home. Great, we'll be here another year. And in the spring of 1980, he says, we're going home. I'm going, why? He's looking at me like, good Lord, woman, I had to pray you out here. Do I have to pray you home too? <laughs> and, so, and so I don't want to go home. What are we going to do? I don't know. Well, then why are we going? Because God said go. <sighs> All right. My, my, my people, my coworkers at work said, can't you just send him home without you? And I'm going, well, probably not a good idea. <laughs> so we came home, you know, and, and I remember him coming over here, you know, that, um, that first Thursday. And I'm going, well, you know, we've got to have some income. So, I mean, it would be a few bucks of some kind because I need to find a job. And, and if he's going to minister, I, you know, we've got to have a steady income somewhere. So I need to be looking for a job. And, and then, you know, it kind of kept going Thursday and my Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday. He comes to me in the kitchen one day and he said, okay, they really want us to move over there to, you know, to High Springs, Fort White area. What do you think? And I went, no, I don't think that's God. And right here I went, pack your bags. Get the boxes back out, pack the bags, you know. So we did, we packed up, and we came. But, I, you know, I told him when we left to go to Ramah, I said, you just promise me. You promise me. You promise me you, you will never pastor. And he goes, that's fine. I'm not called to pastor. And I said, great. Then I can do this. Because I figured, you know, I could just stay in the background. You can go do your thing. I know traveling ministers, they go out on the road. They're by themselves. They can go do their thing. And mama and the babies can stay at home, you know, just, you know, under the radar, so to speak. You know, so he promised me. And then we started this, this thing over here. And I'm just going, okay, all right, well, this is temporary. Just temporary. Let me just stay in the background. But you know what I have found out? I found out that honestly, from the, from the day I was born, God had had me in training for this all my life. Much as I didn't want to see it, much as I didn't want to admit it, as much as, as I said I didn't want to have anything to do with it, God had been training me for life in ministry, and I didn't even, I didn't even realize it. You know, and so, you know, time, time takes its... You know, God, God is so good, just one step at a time. You know, that's all I could handle, just one step at a time. So for those early days, it was just a matter of, of stepping back and staying in the background and doing whatever he needs and, and leaving it at that and let everybody else do anything and just, just leave me out of it. You know, but God has a way, you know, of, of just moving you a little bit and a little bit and a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. And yet there was still always a fear in me that I still couldn't ever catch up to where he was. You know, and there, and there have been times in, in these 40 years, in those early, those early, that early decade, where I have thought, you know, the best thing for me to do would be to let him, just let him pastor and just me go do something else. You know, just, just get out of his life. He, he'd be better off. But you know what? God's got other plans and and I've come to I've come to understand that, you know, I I was 16 when I got pregnant and we got married. 
I had another year of, of high school to go, I would have been third in, the cl- in a class of 600. Now, I didn't have any real uh, plans for what I wanted to do with my life. Not many 16-year-olds really do. I didn't have a real plan for that. Um, but I got, became bitter over the years that my opportunities to do what I wanted to do with my life had been taken from me. And you know what? I had to deal with that over the years. Had to deal with getting rid of that kind of stuff, those kind of attitudes. And, and I've come back, you know, to Jeremiah 29 where the Lord says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to give you an expected end or a future and a hope. I had no idea what kind of a future God had in store for me. No, no, had no hope for something that was really going to be anything other than hard. I remember telling my mother when, she's, when she found out we were going to Bible school, she said, I, I, I just feel so bad for the kids. If it was just you and, if it was just you and Edwin, it'd be one thing. But, but think about the kids. I said, Mama, it won't be like you, you experienced. It won't. And I was saying that by faith because, honestly, I didn't know if it was going to be different or not. I honestly didn't. But, you know, we had, we had to put a good face forward here. You know, we had to put something in there. I had just enough of the word in me to say it won't be the same. You know, there's a lot of things over the, over the years, you know, that, that God's talked to me about that I have been reluctant to do, afraid to do, um, felt inadequate to do, felt totally uncalled in a particular area, and yet God has little by little brought me to where I am today. You know, and it's really um, a matter of deciding that God always has a good plan. And along the way, you know, if I could tell, if I could tell somebody who's single anything, I would say every decision you make along the way might be the one thing that changes your direction. Don't ever look at a decision you make as it's too small to matter. It's not. It's not. It's not too small to matter. We kind of tend to think of, of you know, the, 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 the places in life, the, the points in life that are turning points, that they're big. Sometimes they're very minor. They look like they're very minor, but they will impact your life. Don't hang around people that you've got no business hanging around with. Don't start relationships you've got no business in a relationship with. I said this in January. I said, I don't know that, that we were meant for each other, but somehow God put us together and he's made it work. You know, I don't know if, you know, if we would have eventually, if we hadn't been in sin, uh, if God would have been able to, to, to put us together as a couple and, and, and lead us in a, in a more direct path to the, to the ministry he had for us. But I'm glad that he, he managed to, make, to do it at, in, at some point anyway. But I know this. You know, I was talking Wednesday night about restoration. And I can tell you that even though there were times when, when I thought I had lost, I'd lost, you know, my future. I had lost uh, sight of anything I might have wanted to do, what I think I should have done. I'm here to tell you God restored everything that I thought I needed or wanted out of life. I had no idea what I wanted. 
If I had been, if I had not been in a place of anger and bitterness about the way church people acted, you know, God could have talked to me sooner. And maybe I would have responded sooner. You know, but even even then, you know, it, it took a detour. Life took a detour. But today I look back and I say, would I give up either one of my kids for that? You know, no, that, that detour was, you know, not, you know, I, I love my boys, you know. And, uh, and so I can't imagine life without them, you know. It's not ideal to start out at 16 as a mom, but, but I wouldn't take anything for either one of them. But I'm just saying God can restore and bring back bring you back to the place he wants you to be. But I'm telling you what, it's, it's so important that you don't, I don't care what age you are, to not, to not dismiss the things that God has put in your heart. Sometimes it's just a little, little nudge. Sometimes it's just a little urge. Sometimes it's just a little... Just a little glimpse of what he wants you to do, what the next thing is. Follow it. Follow it. Because God's got bigger plans for you than you know. I look back and, I, and I just, I'm just so grateful for the people that have been in my life along the way who have been blessings and encouragement and, and just put up with me, you know, in some instances. Uh, while I f- found my footing, and even after s- being here, the first, I don't know, gracious, how long it was it, um, 20 years? For the first 20 years, I mean, you know, you wouldn't see much of me except in the background. Some people just, it takes them a while to get it, you know, and I'm one of them. And um, I just want you to know that it's, it's important that you say yes to God. Whatever it is, how small it is, say yes. Because your yes to the small thing leads to a bigger opportunity to say yes later. You won't get those bigger opportunities if you don't say yes to the small ones. You will not get find yourself in a place where you're positioned where you're supposed to be if you don't say yes. And I could meddle here a lot, you know, because I see things, you know, that that people are missing right and left. Because I recognize it. Because I was so hard-headed, so determined to do it my own way, so determined not to have anybody tell me what to do, for somebody else to control my life and my destiny. And I found out that God has brought me to a place that is so much bigger than I could ever have imagined. Left to myself, I would have been satisfied with being a housewife and a mom and living in a little subdivision in Jacksonville with somebody 20 feet on the other side of me and just going along with life and going to church when I felt like it and getting involved to the extent that I felt like it and not really not really ever finding out the good things that God had for me. But you know, if you're raised in a place where you don't know that good comes from God all the time, that nothing bad ever comes from the Father's hand, 
you will accept certain things. And I had learned to accept certain things. But thank God I had a husband who had, who had enough in him to put his foot down to a very stubborn wife and just say, you do what you please. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And just, and just because I didn't want people to think badly of me as I went along with it. And in the going along, God got a hold of me. Make a, make a determination. Make a determination to follow God's plan. He's got the best plan. I promise you, you will not regret it. I promise you, it will turn out better than you ever, ever, ever expected. I look at the, at the, the circle of friends that I had at one time, small group of friends, and today I look at the circle of friends I've had that are all over the world. Who would have thought some little country girl born in Newberry, Florida, you know, who went to school barefoot, who didn't know much, couldn't talk to anybody, uh, would know as many people as I know that now. And being blessed with as many relationships as we have with other ministers now, to be as satisfied and as fulfilled as I am now. You'll never know that unless you surrender to the things of God. You'll never know that unless you completely, 100% say yes when he asks you to do something. To say yes when he said, why don't you just try this? See, God, God knows me well enough to say, instead of telling me to do something, he'll say, why don't you just try this? Why don't you just try it? You ever had somebody get you to try the okra? <laughs> why don't you just try it? <laughs> I still don't like it. <laughs> but there are some times when you try it, you find out, ah, oh, yes, this is exactly what I was looking for. And see, it's not about just you and me. It's about the plan of God. God's got a plan. And the plan he has for your life is not just about you. It's about the people that he will use you to influence. It's about the people he will use you to change their lives. It's about the people he will use you to reach that nobody else can reach. It's about everybody, including you including you. So, honey, I'm sorry I took so long. And I, I'm sure there's more I could say, but is that enough? Huh. Hallelujah. Um, you know, life is um, interesting. We all make mistakes. But I'm here to tell you, God can redeem the mistakes. God can restore the time lost. He can make something out of it that you never thought it was possible. When you feel, if you ever get to a place where you feel like you've messed it up so bad, God, it's like unscrambling eggs. It's not possible. God made the egg. If he wants to unscramble it, he can do it. But you know what the best solution is? Is to not make the mess to start with. For us to follow his plan and his, knowing his heart, to follow him as closely as we can, to be as, as 
diligent to work at hearing his voice and to obeying his voice. And when something comes up, you know, you miss it, just say, Lord, I'm sorry, and just go on. And just go on and not let the devil beat you up about mistakes of the past. I mean, I don't talk about, I don't talk about the way we, we got married and stuff as, as something to be, to be, you know, emulated for sure or to be excused. You know, it's not. But I'm just telling you, God redeemed those mistakes. You know, and um, he can redeem any mistake you make. But the best thing is just to de- make a determination in your heart to not, to not make them, not willingly. See, there were times when I just said, no, I don't want to. When God would ask me to do certain things, I would say, I don't want to. But rebellion can cost you big. There are times, you know, you'll say no to God for a lot of different reasons, but one of them you have to understand is rebellion. And when you get into a place of rebellion against what God has, God has told you to, and you know better, there's a high price that comes with rebellion. A high price. And sometimes it's not just in your life, but in the life of those you love that you'll see that. I, I, I see people, and I've known people over the years, that their rebellion showed up in their children, showed up in their children when they were grown. They're not serving up. I, I, can, I can name several families from, from almost 40 years ago who decided not to serve God. They had their own ideas of what, what things, how things should be done, and they weren't going to listen to anything else. And so they rebelled against what God was doing, and today their children do not serve him. Do you think if they could go back and undo those kind of decisions that they would? Yeah. So I'm just, I'm just telling you, when you tell God, I don't want to, or you just dismiss it out of hand because you don't want to, you better stop and think. Is that a price worth paying? Is that a price worth paying? It may not always be easy, but God never asks us to do anything that will create loss in our lives. He's always, always, always asking us to do things that's going to add to our lives and add to our influence and add to our ability to preach and to minister to somebody else. So remember, God's not a God of of subtraction. He's always a God of addition, but better than that, he's a God of multiplication. Amen. So uh, I don't know if that helps you. Is that okay? I don't know if that helps you tonight or not. But, you know, it pays to hear some of the down, some of the other side of things sometimes. Because you can look at somebody in the pulpit and you think, oh, you've had it easy all your life. And I'm going, I had, I had somebody tell me that just last week. Oh, well, your life is always just so good. And I'm going, you have no idea what my life has been. You have no idea what it's taken to get to where I'm at today. You don't know me well enough anymore to know what, what, what that's all about. But listen, God's got a plan. And the best thing you can do say, is to say, God, whatever your plan is, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go with the plan. You show me the plan, man, I will do it. 
whatever, one step at a time or two steps or whatever. But I just know that God knows each and every one of us individually well enough that he knows how to get through to us. He knows how much he can share with us that we can handle. And he, and he knows that, that if he can get a hold of you and get you to say yes, just one time, he'll show you that his grace is there to take you to the next step. There's ability in you. He wouldn't ask you to do something that you didn't have the ability to do. He's already put it in you if he's asked you to do something for him. And you just have to depend on him to pull it out of you and, and to put it, put it on display and, and, and see yourself walking in the plan that God has for you. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.